You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. I am the producer, Jason Lewis. I would like to thank you for tuning in to the From the Shadows podcast. And without further ado, here is your host, Shane Grove. Welcome, everybody. This is the uh, From the Shadows podcast, and I'm your host, Shane Grove. And with me tonight, as always, because he's the one guy I can count on, is Jason the super producer? How's it going, Jason? Greetings, everybody. Now, we may or we may not be blessed by the judge tonight. He's on the schedule to be with us tonight, but uh, he hasn't chimed in. So at some point during this conversation, when he pulls himself away from his bottle of bourbon, um, <laughs> he wait. Did I? Are we on? Are we recording? We are yes, recording. Sir. Oh, we are live. I mean, I mean, listen, I don't want to say anything about maybe how uh, undependable he is, but if you have a court date with him, there's a good chance it may get pushed back for a couple days. I'm just saying. He's okay. handling his judgely duties as we speak <laughs> with a bottle of bourbon. I mean, I mean, I'd almost feel bad if something really was going on and he was you know, unable, but I've known him since we were like eight years old. And I'm not cutting him any slack, so so that's just that's just the way it is. Hey, I got but, it. Maybe so, he's signing some uh, police warrants right now. Maybe there's like 15 cops outside his door, and he has to sign 15 warrants. Yeah, probably not. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, our our special guest tonight, and uh, she is very special, is Ashley Payton. <laughs> Ashley, you are you? I know are with us. Correct. Yes. Yes, I was on time, on track. We got this. Yes, you, yes, you were. were. Welcome, Ashley. Actually... Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Now, now I will. Uh, I will let all of our audience know. I discovered Ashley um, on the Ohio Mysteries podcast. She was in Armchair Detective, right? Yes, I was on a couple episodes. A couple episodes. Really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. A couple of so she's kind of bragging right now because I've only been an armchair Just detective. Yeah, 
I've only been the armchair detective on one episode, and she's been on two, maybe five. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think maybe she's going to have a regular spot on the Ohio Mysteries <laughs> podcast. There you go. But uh, but she did. But she she told. I mean, the story was fantastic. She, you know, blew me away with all like the facts and the little ins and outs and stuff. And so I immediately got a hold of her and we started talking. And I mean, I just felt that she she could carry a whole episode. So why why regulate her to the armchair detective role? She's going to be the star here tonight. I mean, actually, we all know Jason is the star, but Ashley is going to be the star tonight. So, <laughs> so, so, Ashley, give everybody a little bit of uh, a little bit of your background and and why you um, got got picked to be an armchair detective. Like, what is your specialty? What do you What do you really know? What you know? What What is your area of expertise that the average everyday Joe does not have. <laughs> My area of things that I enjoy the most is folklore and the stories in history that are sometimes glossed over or forgotten. Even when I was a kid learning history in school, instead of just hearing about the civil war was always fascinating to me. I didn't want to hear just the broad facts. I wanted to know about these hidden regiments and the, sneaky things that were going on that don't make it into textbooks. So when I got older, I became director of the Wyandotte County Historical Society and was there for several years. And a lot of my exhibits kind of centered around folklore and bringing history alive in a way that you experience it rather than just reading it stagnant in a book. Now, now for our listeners all over the world, mm-hmm. and because we do have listeners all over the world, Wyandotte County is let's say what about an hour hour and a half south of toledo ohio and about an mm-hmm. hour north west of columbus ohio so it's a it's a real rural part of the part of the state but it's mm-hmm. very rich in very rich in history um yes for, yes so so just just to give everybody a little frame of reference you know where you're where you're at you're you know sounds like you're out in the middle of sticks but you're right in the middle of all pretty the much. action yes <laughs> yeah and we were pretty lucky the exhibits we did were recognized pretty much throughout the state for different things we did and brought in from across the state it was just i really enjoy the things that are missed and try to highlight that and folklore is something that's easily forgotten especially when it's right in front of you so that's something i've always tried to nitpick apart in a way, I guess. And, and folklore isn't necessarily like something supernatural or uh, paranormal or anything. It's just a story mm-hmm. passed down about something kind of out of the ordinary, you know? Yeah. For the most part, a lot of the stories that I follow up on are stories that I've been told growing up in the area. And what I've done then is taken these stories and cross-referenced them with our public library, I pull out the archives of the old newspapers. I'll pull out death certificates and I'll find the root of the story and find out that a lot of times, yeah, the stories are embellished to some degree, but a lot of times the stories are stranger. The real truth is stranger than the folklore, the fiction stories that you may have heard. And so that's what we've really tried to do with 
some of the armchair detective or the other presentations is really bring to light that, yes, these stories are passed around throughout the state or wherever, but there's usually a lot of truth ground into them that's just is bizarre and crazy and wild. And, and the way you just described that, if he was here, he would be able to defend himself, but he's not. Those sound like the judge, the tales that the judge tells from his college days at Bluffton. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's they're bizarre and strange, but at the root of it, there is a there is more truth than you could even imagine. And, oh yeah. <laughs> so, so what's your favorite? Like the the folklore type. So, what was your favorite? Uh, story that you um, dug up from Wyandotte County as far as, um, you know, maybe like you mentioned the Civil War stuff that did, was there yeah. some Civil War stuff, some uh, even stuff older than that that really uh, interested you? Some of the ones that were really interesting, I have friends that are part of the Wyandotte Nation and one girl, she works in the Cultural Center and sent me stories from the Wyandotte Nation. And some of those are just eerie. The one in particular was a man that was wandering through the woods late at night and he came across little tiny, a little tiny mouse prints leading out of a hole. He went and looked further and saw that the hole was actually a grave. And as he looked, the prints went around the grave, went down in the hole and then left. And he continued to follow those trails of prints and the prints changed from a mouse to a raccoon, a larger animal, he continued to follow those and it turned to that of a bird. And he got to the clearing and as he approached the clearing, he saw smoke rising up in the air. The man was kind of concerned on what was going on and scared at the same time. And as he got closer, he saw a man huddled over a fire and it looked like a heart roasting on a stick. And the man yelled at him and he ran from the woods and never to see him again. And the Wyandotte folklore was that it was a sorcerer that was collecting hearts. And these are stories that have been passed down from Wyandotte Nation, transcribed, and are still being told today. And they're all based from our area here. So the sorcerer was turning himself into a mouse to get into the grave to collect the to collect the hearts. Holy yeah, to collect hearts. And then okay. transforming itself into like a raccoon, probably to be able to carry the hearts back. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty I cool, mean, actually. <laughs> Shapeshifter. It is really creepy when you think yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, 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 what is that like rooted in? You know, like what what is the you know? I mean, I don't know that. Maybe there are you know maybe the the wind up. Do believe in that sorcery that you know that they, somebody could transform into a mouse and and do that sort of stuff. I just but you just wonder. I mean, is that literal or is there, yeah. is there something? You know, what does that stand for as far as what's the metaphor for that? It makes you wonder, and it was transcribed from their native language, and it still is being passed down. So it's not a story that they recently decided to come up with and start telling. This is something that was transcribed by older generations because the problem with folklore is if somebody doesn't start writing them down, the stories are getting lost. So there's a big effort right now that they're trying to transcribe stuff and record it. And that was one that was told years and years ago. 
Holy smokes. Yeah, that would that that just makes you wonder like what what, what is the basis for that, you know? Yes, uh, yeah. that's what I was just thinking. It makes you wonder how that story was originally told and then in order yeah. for it to be remembered and passed down to the next generation, what little subtlety has changed between from one generation to the next uh, as the story evolved to what it is now. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it creeps me out. The one that I found in the newspaper, and I told you about it when I was talking on the phone, was the disappointment room in Upper Sandusky. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> That no. one gave me nightmares for weeks. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit about the disappointment room. I'm unfamiliar with that one. <laughs> disappointment rooms were really common more in the antebellum South. A lot of homes had small rooms built either in the attic or the basement. They were called disappointment rooms. When children were born with different deformities or developmental delays, they were kind of shunned. A lot of times in the South, you had that strong bloodline that you were very proud of mm -hmm. and so to have a child with a disability or anything you just it was considered a disappointment at that time so i've heard about disappointment rooms i've seen some pictures of them and when i was doing my research somebody told me the story about a home here in upper sandusky that had a disappointment room and they were in there replacing wallpaper and one night they were upstairs by themselves and it sounded like nails going down the wall and scratching down the wall. The guy didn't think much of it, but it kept going on and on and on. And finally it, it upset him and scared him so much. He up and left the house. So I didn't think anything else of it besides <laughs> didn't want to go in that house. And after researching, I found out that an individual had passed away and supposedly the family had locked him up in a room and he had survived by eating wallpaper until he finally passed away. So I had that story on its own, which is absolutely terrifying. But when I went further into the archives of our newspapers, I found out around the same time that this individual passed away, um, they had started seeing a sighting of a small child that was deformed, kind of looked like just a deformed individual down by the riverbed playing with the frogs late at night. And the newspaper kept going on about how he was running away from people and they were trying to catch him, but they never could catch him. So it's highly likely that the person that was being hidden in this disappointment room was sneaking out at night, going down to the river and playing with the frogs. Yeah. The house and the river were like right across the street from each other. Wow. That is creepy. <laughs> that, that, I mean, first, I, I first I wanted to jump in and say, I grew up in a disappointment room, <laughs> but that, you know, that was just my, me. I was just a complete disappointment to my mom and dad and, uh, you know, but, uh, and even the frogs wouldn't play with me, but, uh, that just, uh, that just, uh, I mean, that is so hard because like what time frame are we taught? I mean, you're talking like early 1900s probably, right? Yeah, so yeah. not that long ago. It's that not just, that long ago at all. Yeah, to think that, uh, I mean, people would just, and we know it happened because some of the most famous families in America had, you know, had siblings or aunts or uncles or cousins that 
you know, got sent away to the insane asylum or to the home and were just left there, you know, but mm-hmm. to do it in your own home, you know, to have, yeah. have a, have a child and just totally shut them off from every, I, I yeah. it's so hard for me to wrap my head around, but. Um, yeah. It, when I found that article with talking about the boy by the river, the deformed, it didn't even say boy, I forget the actual verbiage, but they didn't even really acknowledge him as a human. And it's very obvious knowing where the house is and where the river is. It's highly, highly likely that it was that child that was going out only at night where he wouldn't be seen to be able to go out and play for a bit. Now, has there, has there been any, um, stories paranormal wise that, you know, something is seen in that house or still down by the river to this day. I'm not sure when my friend was in there re-wallpapering, he swore that he could hear what sounded like nails going up and down on that wall. And that he was convinced it was the ghost of that child who had died up in the room from eating the wallpaper. I haven't heard any more stories about it, but I'm not, I don't really want to go verify it for myself either. (laughs) Well, it, it fits the classic case, uh, you know, that Chow was very sad, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of negative energy up there, so that's definitely a possibility. And eating wallpaper, had to, eating wallpaper had to suck. I mean, how about eating a frog? If you're down there and able to catch a frog, go ahead and eat a frog. Yeah. Or, or if you're going to sneak out, don't go down to the river, go, go to the... AJ's Heavenly Pizza or whatever around the corner. There you go. That was long before AJ's Heavenly Pizza. (laughs) And this episode is brought to you by AJ's Heavenly Pizza. (laughs) Uh, Do you think we can get a free pizza out of that? I don't know. Maybe they they probably don't listen to podcasts. But uh, (laughs) no, that's just, it's just crazy to think that, um, that that just happens in our, you know, I mean, that's in your, town in our backyard so to speak mm-hmm. right um wow so what uh what other kind of crazy stories uh are from over there in Wyandotte county or and you were there? weren't you weren't you did you say you were in hancock county too or where are we? i was i've worked in Wyandotte county at the museum but i've done internships at um the wood county historical society up in bowling green which used to be a poor farm and they had asylum for the insane um i worked up there for a little bit and then why not so for as far as historical societies go so so what's what's the so well we're here for stories what what other good stories (laughs) you got from that nick before we get into the real story that we're going to entertain everybody with tonight um What are some other good ones from over there? <laughs> There's quite a few. Um, the one when I was working one night at the museum, we always had to say goodnight to Mrs. Beery. If we didn't say goodnight to Mrs. Beery, it never failed. The security system would go off. The alarms would go. It was it was really embarrassing to have to have the police. And a lot of times the police didn't like going into the museum. They would send myself or my husband in first, and then they would come in after. (laughs) 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 Mrs. Berry did not like being forgotten. (laughs) Okay. Now, is is it her house that the museum's in? It was her home for a while. Yes, it was a Berry home. 
and it stayed in their family for years and years and years. And we, I never had any problems with Mrs. Beery, but I always made sure to say hi. I would listen to music and it wouldn't be uncommon. I love 1950s, 1960s music. I love Johnny Mathis. And whenever I would listen to Johnny Mathis or um, I can't think other artists from that time period, it would jump. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to date myself by blurting out Perry Como, uh, you know, and Pat Domino, and uh, you know Bill Haley and the con. I'm not going to do it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, don't even try. So. Oh, well, boy, he did you not said- like Johnny Mathis. <laughs> well, now, as soon as you said Johnny Mathis, of course, you know what? I bet you can guess what springs to my mind as soon as you say Johnny mm-hmm. Mathis. The, the, mm-hmm. the greatest X-Files episode ever where the song Wonderful, Wonderful is playing. I mean, you, you've you seen that episode, right? Yes? No? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so, so okay, imagine, Jason, were you an X-Files fan? Oh, yeah. Yes. So do you, so you know the episode I'm talking about where the, the little town of Mayberry, where the, the people were like in Brett, in in bread yes and yeah i remember it yes <laughs> as they pull as they pull as they pull away the johnny mathis song is, is playing with the with the mom in the trunk and right. um i mean can you imagine being in a haunted museum and the radio that song comes on the radio i mean that you gotta break your pe- you gotta break your pencil yeah. Yeah, if you're like, <laughs> yeah it wouldn't be uncommon you would see um, black shadows. We'd hear footsteps walking from one end to the other. I would make sure to have the museum blessed every season because I, it just, it would get a little bit different feeling in there at different times. And whenever we'd have it blessed, it would usually calm things down for us. Uh, the one, the one that I was thinking of the year we decided we were going to do a Holocaust memorial exhibit. We worked with Farmington Hills, Michigan, they have a wonderful Holocaust memorial site and they helped me develop the exhibit and we had Nazi items setting out. So I was sitting down at my desk doing my work when I heard I was by myself. I was convinced I heard hard sole shoes walk from one end of the museum to the other down the back staircase and kick the back door. And I absolutely froze because you can tell the difference between like a tennis shoe or a dress shoe. These sounded like hard sole military boots yeah, like kicking boots, the yeah. back door. Right. Now, now, I, when, now when you said that I envisioned the lady like coming down, looking at this stuff on display and just being ticked off. And it's like, you, how dare you bring this in my, House. Me, I envision Nazi boots. Them high, high knee, (laughs) knee high uh, boots, like Stasi boots. That's what I envision. Okay, well, that's what you envision. I envision the lady being ticked off. All right. Saying, how dare you? (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. Whoever it was, it was heavy shoes. They were big shoes. At that time, I had um, German rifles, like Lugers on display and stuff. I was terrified somebody's gotten in and had gotten one of the guns or something. I ran out. We called the police. Like it was, it, it was really scary. And there was nobody, nobody in the museum except me. So after that, it was kind of like, okay, we're going to bring in a minister and bless this again. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if the Nazi memorabilia 
upset things if it was what it was, but it was a whole, it was like the whole atmosphere in the entire building just changed within an instant. Well, and it's all, and it's, so I'm assuming it's all original artifacts from World War II. So, I mean, imagine, you know, if you're, if we're talking about the sadness and the, the terror and the horrible stuff, imagine what's attached to anything that was tied to the Nazi uh, yeah. You know, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. That was probably a lot of a lot of negative energy attached to multiple items. Yeah. If you had original artifacts, yes. I believe. Mm-hmm. So, so what? And, and this is just a side note out of my curiosity. What what mm-hmm. uh, possessed you to want to do a Holocaust theme in Upper Sandusky? Like, what? What's the? What was the tie-in? I. I had recently gone to the Farmington Hills Museum and it made a huge impact on me. And I think because we do live in rural Ohio, that a lot of times some of the more upsetting parts of history are forgotten because Mm -hmm. people don't feel as though they had a direct impact from it. And when we were going through archives, we found these huge Nazi flags that had hung on battleships. We found hats. We found all these artifacts that were put in the basement of the museum, kind of forgotten. And I just felt it was important to bring it to light and to show people that this happened in our backyard, too. Even though it may not seem like it, it was very real. And I'm a big proponent of history repeating itself and trying to learn from history and that was a big driving force behind it as well. So, but, so in other words, it wasn't. It's the impact World War II made on the small, you know, the small, smaller rural mm-hmm. communities was from the soldier yeah. standpoint going and experiencing it, and they, it wasn't that there's a huge Jewish population in no. from, and that, and I see what you know, and that's, I think that's kind of what you're getting at is. Yeah, we all saw it from one side here, but didn't necessarily understand how it affected uh, the other, other parts of the population. And it's and you're right; we kind of get in our own little bubble and don't want to see the world from a wider lens. You know, it's our own little mm-hmm. uh, narrow view and and think, well, what do I care? You know, that's that's yeah. not happening to me. You know. So, it's like which the, absolutely, yeah. The modern millennial viewpoint, very similar to as you described it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're not going to talk about my daughters. <laughs> not, not my, not my old, my, not, my, not my oldest daughter. She's fantastic. Okay, but she's would not be a millennial. But yeah, the the that generation is. Whew, I don't, this is that's a whole other podcast. Man. Yes, that's a whole absolutely. Podcast. I don't even know. And Jason, you and your job, you, you see those. Oh, you know, I see it every this, day. Oh my goodness! I'm yeah. sorry, Ashley. It's We're not this pretty. Whole thing right down. <laughs> yeah. Talk about talk about some horror stories. Anyway, so so the uh, so so all that all that Nazi memorabilia. Or mm-hmm. I guess I guess memorabilia is the correct term to use it. Yeah. But so that's all. That was all down. To, so what else is in the basement? 
You know what I'm saying? This is, yeah. I mean, can you imagine we, what is in the basement of all these small town historical societies and museums? Yeah. All across this yeah. country. Oh, oh it would right. be amazing to just be able to just go in and explore. Yeah. Amazing. It's incredible. And we got everything out of the basement. We had to air things out. I think a lot of them were ran by an older generation that it was so raw and had recently happened mm-hmm. and had soldiers that were over. It was easier just to box it up and forget it until they were ready to address that and accept it as history. Right. And I even had backlash when we did the exhibit from our own community because I had the downstairs like a living room as if somebody was waiting for their soldier to come home. And then you went upstairs and that's where the Holocaust exhibit was. And I worked hand in hand with Farmington Hills. So I knew it was appropriate and nothing was offensive or anything like that. But it seemed like people in our own community were more offended by like the star of David because they didn't totally understand what it represented and what it meant and things like that. To me, that's scary. <laughs> you need to learn this yeah, stuff. Uh, yeah, you, you are. You're right there. When people don't understand something, that's when they're, you know, that's when they're the most scared of it. You know, not mm-hmm. the whole, you know, I'm going to age myself again, but the schoolhouse rocks. <laughs> Knowledge yeah. is power. Yep. Yes, know? that's true. It's, people fear what they don't understand. Yeah, the more, yeah, yep. the more, the more you know about something, you can the less you you know the less less you have to actually fear yeah you can wrap uh, your mind it, around it and you can be able to understand it it's not magical or mystical so so what other cool things have you brought up from the shadows of the basement <laughs> of the uh, of the Wyandotte County Museum there's a lot of neat things that was kind of where <laughs> this sounds awful my fascination with Victorian mourning and the rituals and deaths surrounding all of that uh, civil war era to late 1930s, we found a small viewing casket and we found widow's weeds. So instantly I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so neat. What is this? And I researched and I learned everything I possibly could about death and dying <laughs> during the civil war era and Victorian era based around this casket. I gotta say, um, it's a good thing you're married because I think you'd be a fine catch for almost anybody that listens to the podcast. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do you come with a casket or just a urn? <laughs> um, so, I have one in my bedroom, actually. <laughs> okay, all right. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> no, I found a small. Never mind. I never mind. I found a small children's casket like a box and it keeps my kids out of the room at night though it's like don't you come in here this is what it is so it works for something at least <laughs> i may not have a disappointment room but i have a cat yeah there you go in a disappointment room <laughs> but i was fascinated with why somebody would have kept all this memorabilia pertaining to that event and the more you read about it it was just mind-boggling that if women especially didn't do certain things when somebody passed away they would be socially ridiculed and just made fun of it was horrible what you would have gone through had you not followed certain steps that were laid out for you and that just blew my mind 
on top of the fact that we still do stuff today based around those rituals. It was just, it was interesting to me. So what was, so, so give us an example of, of, of some of that stuff. The wakes, we still do wakes and we still have somebody sitting with the body when you view them. And they did that during civil war and Victorian times because you didn't always know that somebody was truly dead. So the best way to tell was handling and touching because being buried alive was a real valid fear and concern. And they have exhumed bodies that the casket was torn up on the inside because somebody truly wasn't dead. So you still had somebody there to make sure. But also when it got colder, you would have mice and cats and bugs and everything that would try to get to the body. So somebody would stand there all night to try to make sure nothing got to the body. And if you were from an affluent family, they would be able to hire somebody in and you would have it, the casket in your house. But if you were lower income, it wouldn't be uncommon for the children to have to sleep with the dead body. So it's just, that's creepy on itself, but that we still Holy. do wakes. Yeah. Holy smokes. Well, I've, I've read that too, that uh, many people, like you said, they've exhumed bodies from back in the Civil War era, and they thought people mm-hmm. had died, and they actually were not dead. And yeah. they clawed well, themselves. They had to die a horrible death. Though. That's that's just very creepy. Well, I, I believe our William uh, Krejci, uh, when he was doing uh, research for the cemeteries in Cleveland, right? The hidden, didn't, yes. He, didn't he tell us a story about that? He, he did allude to that. Yes, yes, he did. Uh, yes. Oh, and it, also it, for our listeners that might not know, since we didn't touch on it, widow widows weeds. That's the uh, the black funeral clothing, the black mourning uh, yeah. clothing worn by the uh, the widow, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And when I do, I have my little haunted history tours. I do tours around town with some of my stories, and I dress in full widow's weeds, the Civil War era. And I was so excited. I recently found a weeping veil which the women would have worn a weeping veil over their face. And it was to protect, they felt that the spirit of the dead lingered around the person Mm -hmm. and the weeping veil kind of protected them from being attaching the spirit to somebody else kind of thing. Because there's a real fear that if you had somebody died and you walked by somebody else, that that could be the next person that would die. There's a lot of superstition surrounding it. Yeah, Jay, doesn't it Jay, also follow up something like uh, they, and it usually happens in threes? I don't know the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I remember reading about it though. Yeah, I can't get mm-hmm. past. I can't get past how excited you were to find a weeping fail. I mean, most people are glad to get, like, <laughs> like most women are glad, and I'm, this is nothing against women, but most women are glad to get that Coles coupon in the mail, or um, you know, but you found a weeping veil. Holy smokes! Yes. Did... I'm excited. It's an original one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you're really, you know, you're really starting to creep me out. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> now, because I, here's the, here's, uh, here's what I love is how many people would honestly, um, know what even that was, you know, if you saw, if you came across yeah. it, you know, probably not too many because it's, the one I have that I just found is more 1900s, so it's a lace 
or it's like a fine lace with the black trim. If you know what you're looking for, you would know right away because of it having the three bands in the trim. But if it was earlier Civil War period, they would have used crepe. And the problem with the crepe, I found some pictures. I've never seen one in person. It's crepe like what you think of, like party streamers crepe. Mm-hmm. But the chemical they used was highly cancerous. So people would have this over their face. And if it would rain or anything like that, it would release the chemicals. And a lot of these women ended up developing cancer unknowingly. It would eventually die because they were ingesting these fumes from the crate. Now, did that, excite, did that excite you to find that out, that that happened? <laughs> it's interesting. Because <laughs> it's so tragic and upsetting that you're doing something that society tells you to do, and then it ends up killing you. That's just, that's horrible. Yeah, I mean, talk about irony. You know, you're yeah. mourning someone's death and putting yourself right in its path, uh, yeah. literally. Because your tears, your tears would be just as good as rain or getting away mm-hmm. to, to activate the chemicals, I would think, if you were really yeah. sad. Yep. Really sad. Wow. Wow. I love it. So you walk around Upper in a mm-hmm. in full... <laughs> Morning, co- <laughs> morning costume. <laughs> with a lantern. With oh, a lantern. my goodness. Okay. Are you asking little kids to come near because you have some candy for them? Or <laughs> we're not doing it? Okay. So what? how many places? So so tell us a little bit more about these tours. So how, mm-hmm. how do you give them like all year long? I mean, no, you're, nobody's give, given any tours now. I mean, you wouldn't be able to use the... The uh, the widows. Uh, well, I can't even. It'd be it turn in the widows uh, mask now. COVID mask. Well, it? actually, the <laughs> the widows weeds would protect her. It'd be like a, a mask. There you go. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> walk around like that. <laughs> so so uh, now you just look normal. Right? Like, yeah, there's a lady in a black dress with her face. So so what do you? Um, like, how often do you do the tours and how many plate, you know, if somebody wanted to come over and do a tour, how, yeah. would they, how would they do it? We usually offer them through the summer in October. It's kind of hit or miss on the weekends. I try to change them up so it's not the same thing every time. I haven't been able to do them because of the COVID, but also I go to the library, like I mentioned. I'll pull house records or I'll just go, I'll spend an afternoon going through, our library has a book of 1860s death records and they'll have their name, their birth date, how old they were when they died. And so if I see a young death, I can usually pull the archives and find out what happened to them. So right now I can't do much of anything. So that's on hold. But a lot of times I do them through the summer. I work with other organizations that are trying to raise funds. Last year we did them over in Forest, which is a really small town a little bit from Upper, and we did it as a fundraiser for the Genealogical Society and a kids' gym over there. So when we do them, we do them usually as fundraisers to help other organizations out. We don't pocket any of the money. Well, so let me ask you this. Um, mm-hmm. Does is anybody ever, like, get mad when you're standing out in front of their house telling a ghost story? <laughs> 
Like, do they come out and like, get off my lawn, you kids? I mean, what? I mean, does anybody like take offense? Does anybody take offense that you're pointing out that they lived in a haunted house or, or, we, or what? <laughs> we never actually stop at the homes. We'll say in this general area, and we make sure uh, that we map okay. our path out. That we're always stopping on public area. I was telling we have the old Indian cemetery the heretic cemetery at the top of our park Hill here in Wyandotte and upper. And I did have the cops called on me a couple years oh, ago geez. while I had a group and I just had to explain, you know, I'm in my garb with a lantern. They're like, this is the crazy stories. lady that calls us to the museum <laughs> all the time because she doesn't, they don't Pretty say much. goodbye. They don't say goodbye to the, to the lady. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, but we try to let them know now, like, hey, we're going to be doing the tour. If you hear about a crazy person dressed up walking around town, it's me. <laughs> not trying to break in anywhere. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. We've really enjoyed it. Now, now, so you're, you seem really interested in telling these stories. Are you interested in going and taking the next step further and investigating them from the inside or is that something that just you know you just enjoy the story and and the what ifs or something you don't really want to know (laughs) i've done some hunts with a couple ghost groups paranormal investigators and it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it but it seemed like i was having more activity at my own house and we ended up having our home blast. Um, I, I don't know because I collect the antiques. I'm not sure if I brought something home from one of my antiques or if it was because of the investigations. I really don't know. But we had some really strange things start happening. My daughter at the time was, I think, two. And she would sit up in bed and look in a corner and start screaming and crying. And we had a ball pit for her to play in in a little baby pool. And I will swear on a Bible, it looked like three little drops of blood in the middle of the ball pit on the balls. And there was nothing else around it. It wasn't like she cut herself and got on it. I don't know. And after that happened, it was kind of like, okay, we need to back off a little bit. Maybe not buy any more coffins for your bedroom or and stuff, yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> So, so that's it. So that's interesting. You go on some ghost hunts, and you're the whole time you're thinking, "God, we should be at my house." You know, checking, <laughs> checking this place out. So there's more activity at home than I'm getting here. <laughs> I mean, we did the investigation here, and then we did the blessing, and then towards the end of the blessing, we were upstairs in our house, and we had all the windows opening, doing the final part. And it felt like a rush of wind. And we heard what sounded like children giggling that went through the whole house. And then that was kind of the end of it. We've not had anything since then. But that scared me enough. It's like, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. So it's like the kids' spirits were all, like, released and just took, wow. Okay. It, like, gives me goosebumps even thinking about it. Because it just felt like this cool breeze went through the house. And honestly, it sounded like kids running. And it just went out out the window. I don't know how else to explain it without sounding cheesy, but it was just really creepy. Uh, there's nothing cheesy about a ghost kid, a bunch of ghost kids running through your house and out the window. I mean, that's just scary. 
That's not cheese. He's that scary. Hey, all these <laughs> no. things lurk from the shadows. <laughs> now, has anybody ever gone to the uh, museum and and done an investigate investigation there to see what's going on? Yeah, we had a couple groups go in there. I I left about ten years ago now. Once I had my daughter. So I'm not sure if they've had any investigations done since then, but at the time they got a lot of EVPs. I was on a lot of the hunts with them and just got a ton of stuff from Mrs. Beery. Uh, there, we have the old schoolhouse. There was activity in the schoolhouse and down in the basement and nothing malicious that we picked up on, fortunately. Wow. Wow. You're you're brave. I'm going to tell you, and and that's coming. <laughs> I mean, I I was once owner of a uh, like an antique store and framing store in Bucyrus that was in an old Victorian house, and I mean, and it was there was all kinds of stuff that happened, and people would come in and tell stories and stuff. And I I, I tell you, when when you're alone, but you're never really alone, you know, yeah. in a house. It's it's unsettling when you don't know if the person or thing or entity or whatever, if they're glad you're there, you know, or they're just yeah. like, would you please leave so we can have a party or something, you know, so we can be at peace. Yeah. You know, I just, <laughs> I, I, and I didn't have to go to it every day and hang out all day long. I don't know how you could, I don't know. I don't it know. Was no wonder, creepy. no wonder you dress up in, in, in crazy clothes and walk around up or. In the of the night. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was nothing. I was helping on the board at the Gill House over in Galleon. Are you oh, familiar with yes, the Gill House? Yes, I am. I was helping over there for one. We did Victorian morning tours, and we decided we were going to recreate a Victorian seance. And I oh, had it that just out. sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, okay. No, hear me out. It was a good idea. <laughs> okay. I thought. I thought. We could just recreate it like a Victorian seance and then turn on the lights and say, okay, this is how it worked. This is what they believe, but they were really being taken advantage of. So thinking like Mary Todd Lincoln and Houdini's wife, like mm-hmm. it was a scam for the most part. So we had the guy that was leading the seance, the arms of the chair would have lifted up, even though he was tied to it, you would tie it, but you could pop off the hand so you could get the hand out. And then they used a stick to move things on the table. And then my mom was on one side, I was on the other, and my dad was in the basement. And we had cues where he would say something and we would make a tap in the wall or whatever. We had it all planned out. Okay, so see, this sounds in like theory, trouble. This sounds in like this theory, trouble. it was a really good idea. So, so, so is every B-horror movie. Every B-horror movie <laughs> starts out, it's always a great idea. You know, let's, let's, you know, let's go up to the cabin in the woods with no electricity or let's go to the graveyard and, and play cards on a tombstone. I mean, this sounds terrible, but go ahead. <laughs> well, at least I wasn't my dad in the basement. I was not going in the basement by myself. Um, so anyhow, we start the seance, and the guy leading it, I hear him start his script, and then he stops and goes, oh. <laughs> and I see the ball moving on the table. I see the lights flickering. Everything is happening that it's supposed to happen. And he says the code word, and it sounded like somebody dropped a cannonball right next to me. 
and out of the corner of my eye, I see what looks like a shadow moving back and forth behind where the guy is telling the stories. And about that time, he stops and goes, okay, I have to stop. Stuff is happening that I'm not doing, and I'm not sure what's going on. And stuff was moving on the table. The lights were flickering, and it scared the, whole the time, out of me. The whole time your dad's still down in the basement waiting for the scene. <laughs> still done. He like, was, and we were like, like look at his he watch. He was messing. Like, look at his <laughs> watch much. going, what are these guys doing? <laughs> that's crazy well, well it's crazy. he never heard whatever that big thud was he yeah. never heard it you it mean your so dad downstairs he did he never heard it he didn't hear it he oh did my not goodness. hear it it was loud enough it vibrated stuff he did not hear it because we were mad at him that he was trying to scare us so you him. guys thought he was doing it all and uh, yeah and so you, and so you guys him. were in the gill house doing this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so had you never driven by the Gill House and looked how scary it looks just from the outside? <laughs> well, we had had weird things happen. We had gone. I'm a pro- I'm a professional harpist, and I we were doing EMFs and EVPs up in the attic, and I thought the ghosty spirit liked me because it started saying harp harpist love and you could see the read going all the way all over the place so i thought i was in the clear <laughs> didn't <laughs> like my dad so much but <laughs> it, we had some weird weird stuff happen there uh, I, okay i mark i'm marking that off the list i'm not going to the gill house <laughs> <laughs> i was just thinking i was like man i'd like to check that place out <laughs> yeah Jason, it, i'll take you by to horror <laughs> my uh, dad and I were by ourselves and we were hanging the black draping for the seance and I finally went home because I didn't want to be there at night it just it wasn't a pleasant feeling it was one of those places that sometimes it was okay other times not so much and my dad was there until like midnight or one o'clock hanging this draping and he said at one point it sounded like somebody was dragging furniture from one point of the room to the other up above him and he knew he was the only one there because he had locked the doors and he, he was listening to music, he turned it off, and he heard it again. It just sounded like heavy furniture being dragged across the room. And he said he just turned up his music and told it to please leave him alone, and he tried to get out of there as quick as he could. <laughs> and, and he still volunteered to go in the basement for the, ne- for the next? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a brave man. <laughs> what a brave <laughs> man. Oh, brave or stupid, I don't know which. I just... Uh, <laughs> I'm shaking my head. Thank God we're not on camera. <laughs> so because this my, house, my palm print is my palm print is on my forehead. Gone. I can't believe they thought we'd be having a seance <laughs> at the Gill House. Okay. Yeah. So this house was uh, built by what? Uh, uh, Bloomer and Nelly Gill. Mm-hmm. They were um, personal friends of um, Edison. Oh, okay. All right. They were good friends. So they were very and wealthy it's a rare people. Oh, absolutely. They were affluent. Very okay. much so. They had electricity. It was a beautiful home in its heyday, and hopefully they'll be able to get it back to where it was. And they do a lot of the hunts and the fundraisers and that to try to raise money to finish fixing it up from disrepair. Yeah. Yeah, the outside does not appear like they've done 
I mean, the last time I've been by it, it doesn't appear like the outside mm-hmm. has been touched, but that would be a daunting task to do the outside. Oh, I mean, I, I imagine the inside's probably beautiful, except for the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, except the ghosts. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow. Well, uh, so, so, jeez. So, um, I mean, out of your bag of tricks here, you got any more good ghost stories or... Any good harps playing stories? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really know anybody that can play the harp. No, me neither. That's the first I mean, <laughs> you're the first person. I mean, hey. I, I mean, I might. I, I've never written a song yet where I thought, man, I need harp. This would kind of be cool in the production to have harp come. But I may change my. I may change now my you'll strategy. Have to. I may just throw that out there just to say I've done it and give you a shot at getting on a getting on a recording. Just you know, there so. you go. <laughs> I can't promise any radio airplay, but you know, hey, that's okay. But yeah, but <laughs> right. yeah, it's been fun um, for several years or a couple years. I was the resident harpist for the Grand Hotel up on Mackinac Island in Michigan, and that building was it was creepy. We had a lot of weird things happen on that the band room and everything it was kind of like living in the shining and i made the stupid mistake of trying oh, to gosh. read the shining <laughs> wait, you made it you made wait a second you made the stupid mistake of saying hey let's have a seance oh no okay, not there all right <laughs> i've done a lot of stupid things but the seance was probably a top five we did that and we made this stupid mistake of trying to play Ouija in the wheat field at Gettysburg. And that's oh my goodness. Like oh my goodness. The worst. Like that's probably number one. Gillhouse is probably like five when you put it in comparison. <laughs> Doing Ouija in Gettysburg. Okay, let's do let's do the countdown. Okay, so so five is the Gillhouse. <laughs> What's number four? No, it's number four. We I mean you already gave away number one. Sure. Casey Kasem Casey Kasem would be really too off on that. <laughs> So what's number, um, what's number four? Four was when I worked at Wood County. They, I was on the opposite side of the building. If you've ever been to Wood County, it's a massive facility. And when I got hired, they said, don't bother screaming, because if you scream, we're not going to hear you anyways. And I was doing a Girl Scout tour, and we took them to the um, – it was like a little side building – that housed the violently and criminally insane. And we got outside and a little girl started crying and sobbing saying she wouldn't go in. She wouldn't go in. And I said, well, why won't you go in? And she said, there's an old man staring at the top of the stairs, holding a Bible saying he's going to break out. And I had no okay. idea what to say. Okay. There's no Did, one there. I got it. You took a girl scout troop to the, <laughs> criminally insane like the, what I mean, well we were supposed to do little stops around the building <laughs> the little like side buildings because it's completely self-sufficient so uh that's probably one of the not smart ideas it was just it was creepy it was scary it involved little kids and a ghost so i mean that's that's like in the in the in the let's create a horror movie like you have two piles of cards and one is the the haunted facility for the criminally insane Girl Scout troop. <laughs> That's like plot right there. Okay, the Girl Pretty Scout. Much. 
<laughs> okay, what's number what's number three? What's number three? Oh Lord, I don't know. There's been a lot of like questionable decisions. <laughs> She's definitely courageous. That's for sure. I I wrote Charles Manson, and I wanted a letter back from him. Oh gosh, because I thought it would be me. And instead of getting like a letter back, I got this blanket letter that said that he may send you money periodically to do a deed in his name. And they said like plant a tree or do different things like that. (laughs) And it scared me so bad that I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to tell anybody because I'm thinking, oh my God, what if one of them comes and checks up on me? I don't want him sending me money. It, It, that was, that was a little nerve-wracking for about six months. No, I don't want to. I, I, I got my own little Charles Manson story here. Is that I know or have met um, his grandson, the one that ended up with his body, uh, Jason oh, Freeman. Cool. Jason Freeman. Because he was from Amish country. Okay. And what? He, yeah. Well, he lived over in Amish country and another friend of mine who I went to school with is a financial planner over there. And Jason, Jason, you know, he invested money with my buddy and they did some, uh, I think Jason was in the, to the M and then MMA fighting or something for a while. And, uh, then he ended up moving, you know, but he always kind of, I, for some reason believed he was man, Charles Manson's grandson. And turns out, turns out, he was Charles Manson's grandson. Oh my gosh! And he is—he, I believe, is the one who ended up with with Charles Manson's body. I mean, really nice guy. I mean, you huh. know, I, I, the last guy you'd think was Charles Manson's grandson. I have to oh, interject. <laughs> I have to interject here. This was your buddy, so I feel comfortable in asking this. What would make this man think that he is Charles Manson's grandson? Well, he was. So I mean, there was some, and I've heard this. I've heard the story. I don't know the particulars um, on who his. I think it was his mom was born to, or maybe his one of his parents was obviously born to somebody that Manson was with. Um, and since this is a family show, I don't need to explain the birds and the bees. Absolutely, even understood, though, understood. Even though we have a even though we have a heart player and, uh, in our midst. That's okay. We can always question Jerry off air. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can get the, uh, in fact, Jason, remind me, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll do that for a midweek how I'll tell the full story to you and the Ozark Howler about, about Jason Freeman. Maybe we can, maybe I can get Jason Freeman on for a future episode. Now that sounds like a good idea. We'll make that happen. That'd be interesting. Yes. So, and yeah. maybe he, maybe he can um, make you feel a little bit better about that uh, letter you got from his grandpa. Yeah, I'd be curious because it was like a blanket letter. It wasn't anything signed. It was just looked like a blanket letter that they said they would periodically send out money, and that they would follow up to make sure it was used as they indicated. I'm thinking that's how cults start. Doing little things like go exactly. plant a tree. Now go kill somebody. Well, yeah, you said do little things in his name. I'm like, well, like kidnap a kid or what? <laughs> I know. Plant a tree. Plant a tree. Yeah. 
plant a tree. Uh, Come plant I'll, a tree. Uh, that's not what I was thinking. And after you plant a tree, please murder a puppy in my name. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> so, so tell us about the Ouija board on on the Gettysburg battlefield. Ooh, because that just sounds. <laughs> well, we started. I, why, why not just dig up the. The, the the battlefield of Gettysburg and bring it I to know. the old house and just have it <laughs> get, get, get I know I yeah it wasn't one of my smarter moves we actually started at Seminary Ridge and Culp Hill area my my favorite regiment this really says a lot about my personality um, my favorite regiment was Louisiana Tigers and the Tigers were this you have like a hat? from do you have like a hat and a coat and stuff and a program for the first game you went to? Oh, it's not that. <laughs> not that. Like I have got my favorite like baseball card, like my Mickey Mantle baseball card. My you're like my favorite regiment in the. Okay. My favorite regiment is the Tigers. Oh my Lame. god! I've, like um, what? I just keep going back. Like, what would your dating profile be? Like, <laughs> and my favorite regiment is. <laughs> I play the I, harp. I like. I know how to use a. We- I know my way around a Ouija board. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh. I make jokes all the time. It like goes over my husband's head. It's like, oh, come on, you gotta like get with it here. Um, he's fortunately like he started to like my macabre humor and history facts because I have to tell somebody. So, um. But yeah, the Tigers, they were criminals, and they were these terrible, terrible people, and they were told, hey, you fight in the war and go kill people, you can be free if you survive. So these people that were pulled out of jail and all these other places are like, yeah, I'd love to go kill people and not be charged. Oh, gosh. Wait a second. Isn't that the plot for the Suicide Squad with Will Smith and all those guys? Like, they pull those guys Hey, that's where they got it from. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. So they start fighting at Gettysburg. They ran out of ammunition. They didn't know what to do. So they had their Bowie knives, and they decided to cut off body parts and run at the Union Army with, like, arms and legs and things like that. And, of course, the Union Army was absolutely terrified having, like, an arm and a leg run at them. And they held their position. The Tigers held their position for quite a while. So we did the Ouija board. With body body parts? (laughs) I know. Isn't it awesome? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the Ouija board. So I thought it would be fun to try to talk to a Louisiana tiger. Um, It didn't go out how I had planned. I thought in my mind it would be a very wholesome conversation. I don't know. I don't know what I was anticipating, but it was terrifying. Every stop we went, we barely were touching the, I can't think of what it's called, the little mover thing. We were barely touching it, and it was just flying across the board. And a lot of times it was saying, help us, help us. We need soldiers. We need soldiers. And every single stop was basically the same one until we got to the wheat field. We got, because we did Culp's Hill, Seminary Ridge, and then decided to go to the wheat field. And when we got there, it was a little bit slower and it was kind of the same thing, help us, help us. And it gives me goosebumps. It still scares me. It started to say, come out, come out. And we asked, 
two, it said, come out, come out, Ashley. And about that time, we hawked the board to the back of our van and hightailed it out of there. Wow. That little thing that you're referring to, that's the planchette, correct? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing. So that, that was ghost all around you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Who asked you to be on the show tonight? That's what I want to know. I mean, what? I said, who asked you to be on the show tonight? Like, I got goosebumps. I knew oh, what was goodness. coming. I knew what was coming. I'm like, eh. it says spelled out Ashley. Well, of course it's spelled out Ashley. Yeah. Give me come your out, arm. Come out. Yeah. Give me your arm yeah. or leg. You know? Oh, oh Lord. Oh, well, and the worst part of all of it, of all of it, and I'll see if I have it. I'll send it to you. We snapped, we snapped, a, it makes me tear up. We snapped a picture outside and it was all red. It was like these stripes of red and it looked like a face. It was horrifying, horrifying. I don't know what we caught an image of. I probably don't want to know what we caught an image of, but that was, that was the end of all that. <laughs> It was the first time I really, like, really, really was scared. Hey, listen, if you can't find that, don't. I'm not gonna be mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a screenshot and send it to you. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Here you go. Surprise. Oh. oh my goodness. Where's the judge when you need him? Unbelievable. He's missing out. I know. I know. I know. Well, so, so. I, I was not expecting all these fantastic stories. These, this is great. I mean, even a top five. A top five crazy, <laughs> stupid things. I mean, I mean, my top five crazy, stupid things are really stupid and crazy, but they're not that. I mean, that's cool. You did some really cool stuff. Jeez. <laughs> so so I, I want to hear the story. I think all of our listeners and Jason deserve to hear the, the one story that nailed the uh see i hear she's she's going through her notes jason all 10 pages um, that wasn't me that wasn't oh, that, me. Wasn't you. that was that was oh the the red the yeah the red slipper murder case the red slipper yeah. murder case okay so yep. ashley yeah, let's 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 just get into it tell us tell everybody about the red slipper murder case okay well oh, this is actually my number two stupid thing I've done. So you can kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, I thought it would be number one. It's a close... It's close. Um, But yeah, Red Slipper, it involved Roy Schnagel and Cynthia Fell in 1953. So a little bit ago, but not too long ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were both co-eds down at Ohio Wesleyan University, which is based in Delaware. So if you've ever been around Delaware, you know the campus. When you're going on 23, you can see the football shed, football shack from the road and all that sort of thing. But um, Roy, he was seriously just an all-American boy. He was very, very handsome. He had sandy hair, blue eyes. He was supposedly kind of shy and kept to himself. And Cynthia was absolutely stunning. She had brown hair and she had just turned 19 so they had met while they were freshmen together down at OU or OWU but when they weren't at school they were really from the different side 
of the world for the most part. Roy was from a really affluent family in Cleveland, and Cynthia was from a lower-income family in White Plains, New York, of all places. But even though they were different, they really, really wanted to be together. And from the different stories I was told through, like, being at the museum and that, I was told Cynthia and Roy planned to get pregnant on purpose. Roy's mom was extremely controlling and a very manipulative woman, and she dictated everything Roy did, like going through his mail and just everything, like super, super managed him. So when she found out that Roy was planning on proposing to Cynthia, things got even worse for Roy. I feel as though she was the one, the mom, told Roy, you need to end this, you need to take care of it, it needs to be done. So around this time, Cynthia ended up failing out of OWU and had gone back to New York. Roy was still at Delaware. He was in the ROTC. He was trying to get his grades up and everything. And so he wanted Cynthia to sneak back to Ohio and meet up with him. And the plan was they were going to meet outside the football shack and she was going to stay there for several days. Prior to leaving, Cynthia went and bought a pair of red slippers and a white flannel nightgown with little blue flowers on it. So once she got there, she hid in the football shack, and Roy told her, no matter what, do not be seen by anyone. And this is where information really kind of scatters. Someone said that she was seen by somebody. Others say they got into a fight. Others say that Roy intentionally planned this. But whatever happened, I guess the ultimate thing was that Cynthia tweaked Roy on his nose and he instantly saw red and completely freaked out. So instead of just yelling or arguing or whatever, he decided to strangle Cynthia. And once he saw that she was non-responsive and wasn't really responding to anything, he panicked and loaded up Cynthia's body in the back of his 50 Plymouth coupe and drove up to up 23 north um you guys are so quiet <laughs> i know we're Alyssa, we're trying we're to just enthralled we're by what you're saying we're just, <laughs> we're just, we're just but, i mean uh, listen all i can keep thinking of is at least roy's mom did not let you know she wasn't going to let him have a seance at the gill house that's all i could think <laughs> she was controlling enough to so okay so they start heading up sorry they start heading up <laughs> they drove up 23 North and during the drive, he said that he heard Cynthia moan in the backseat of his car in Marion County. And since he heard her moan, he decided to continue to drive up North until he got up outside of upper Sandusky here. And once outside of upper, he pulled off the highway, went down a dark, really secluded road area where he dragged her body out of the car. And once he got the body out of the car, he began to beat and stab Cynthia with a tire iron. He stabbed her and beat her in the face so she was unrecognizable and then decided to beat her in the abdomen to try to hide the fact that she was pregnant with his child. So once he was done viciously beating Cynthia, he tossed the body further into the woods and drove off and then tossed the tire iron into the river when he got a little bit closer to Delaware. All the that next morning, his, all that for tweaking his nose. Yeah. Wow. All from tweaking. I still wonder if, he didn't plan it to some degree because why else would he have had her stay in the football shack kind of secluded and not wanting anyone to see her 
I really think his mom knew more and wanted her gone. And that was his way of getting rid of the problem, I guess. I don't know. Wow. Um, yeah. But the next morning, the road crew found Cynthia's mangled body, and the county tried to figure out who it was. It was during the Wyandotte County Fair, and a lot of people thought that she was possibly one of the workers or was murdered during the fair. So a lot of the people in Upper started panicking and thinking, is this somebody local? Is it somebody from the fair? They didn't know who it was. Uh, the county medical examiner took the body back to the morgue, and they started to reconstruct her face as best they could, which was a huge task since he had literally stabbed her in the face with this iron. Once they were able to piece her back together well enough, they took her picture and shared it not only in the local papers, but it ended up being shared in like the New York Times, the Washington Post. She became known as the faceless beauty, and they really wanted to know out like who, who this woman is. And apparently it was the first time postmortem photo was shared in newspapers across the nation to try to help ID a body. But no one was able to identify her, even though they were sharing it everywhere. But they did notice that she had on these red shoes. 1950s, all shoes had serial numbers on the inside of them. And those serial numbers logged to know which batches of shoes went to what stores. So because of that, they were able to track the shoes back to White Plains, New York, where there was a young worker there who remembered Cynthia. She remembered her talking about going to see Roy and buying the nightgown and all that. So they were able to pretty quickly point the finger back to Roy. Mm. Um, Roy was actually approached as he was leaving the ROTC office. And he didn't even question anything. He just said, oh, I'm assuming this is about Cynthia. <laughs> oh, and my. so they loaded him up. Like, there is no shame. They loaded him up and took him back to Wyandotte County. And it's because in 1953, wherever the actual death occurred is where the charges were made. So he strangled her in Delaware County, heard her moan in Marion County, and then beat her in Wyandotte County. So this was a huge deal trying to figure out where exactly to charge him at because it depended on where she actually died at. And they finally decided that she officially died in Wyandotte County because that's where he beat her with a tire iron. But later reports said she probably died from strangulation, but regardless. Well, how did he hear her moan um, if she died of strangulation? You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about the dying process. I don't know if it was... I don't believe Maybe that. Maybe the ahead. death I rattle. I don't. I don't. I don't believe that you don't know enough about that. I mean, seriously, you got you got a, you got a coffin in your bedroom. I mean, you got, I mean. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would like to hope she died down in Delaware, just from the fact that that was so brutal what he did yes, to her that'd be aw- that'd up be here. That it would almost be a blessing that it would have been Delaware instead of up here. But they went back. He willingly went to the police to wind up, and they charged him with first-degree murder of Cynthia. And so he stayed in our local jail and was treated super well. His family was well-to-do, so they visited him every weekend. Supposedly, the mom paid neighborhood kids to bring him a strawberry milkshake from the neighborhood dairy barn every day, so he always had a strawberry milkshake. And they even allowed him to have a radio in with him so he could he listen got to the Yankees play in the World Series. He got a milkshake yeah. from the dairy snack. Yes. Isn't it, isn't that yes. the play, Isn't that the dairy barn dairy snack? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Right. Wow. And okay. You have to keep in your mind, like what he did to this woman and, people and the just... unborn baby. Mm, yeah. Mm, 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 but he was handsome. I think you really need to put an emphasis on the fact that he was an attractive young man. That's why I've never committed cases today. So I've never committed a crime because What's I that? would be in big trouble because <laughs> <laughs> nobody's bringing me a milkshake. Okay, let's just you, you won't that. get milkshakes. <laughs> but, um, but he, I mean, this was still being covered by the New York Times and everything. It was all over the nation. And he was finally charged with second degree murder. It was dropped because he made a plea deal and was sentenced to life in prison at the Ohio Penn with the possibility of parole in 10 years. And this is what really upsets me is while in prison, his family was really good friends with the governor of Ohio. So he ended up not really spending much time with the general population. The majority of the time, he was the personal driver of the governor. So he drove the governor around the state and didn't really spend that much time in jail itself. And the best part of it, which is super upsetting, is he only served 10 years in a day for Cynthia's murder, mutilation, and the death, death of her infant. Oh, my goodness. Um, Ten years in a day. <laughs> he should still and, be underneath the jail. <laughs> really. Yeah. It was it was crazy. And he was approved for parole, and he was actually pushing for a pardon by a vote of two to three from the parole board on 11-15-63. It was in the national paper still for a while, but it was quickly buried because of a more important date, 11-22-63, which was JFK's assassination. So everything got kind of hidden and kind of that was it because of how important the assassination and stuff was in the newspapers. Otherwise, it would have been interesting what would have happened there. Right. So that's where the story ends for most people. <laughs> but <laughs> Here comes well, number two. Here comes number two comes, on the list of top five. Here comes number two. Okay. Um, while I was working at the museum, I randomly got an email one day from a guy asking me if I knew anything about Roy and what became known as the Red Slipper murder. The museum, we had a ton of information on it, and we also had Cynthia's red shoes that she wore when she was murdered. No so way. I sent Jim a message. Are you, yeah. you have the shoes? Or, what? Okay. All right. Her actual shoes. And that... That was the one thing I did not like handling in the museum is her shoes. How, is, how did you guys end up with that? How is that not like that's, evidence? That's what I was thinking. I was like, how in the world did you guys get a hold of those? <laughs> the, so the longest time the museum was at the courthouse. So we had uh, a lot of okay. the original items used for murder cases just in our archives. And then when we moved, we took that stuff with us. And in this case, I think they were donated i'm not sure how we got them to be honest but we all have the nightgown we have the shoes so one perk <laughs> oh gosh um, okay <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i replied back with him and told him what i knew and thought that was kind of the end of it but jim responded back quickly with i know roy he married my secretary who is a good friend of our family but he married a good friend of ours and he had no clue what to do. 
we got to talking and Jim said that they always used to joke with Roy about having a really, really bad temper, especially when golfing. He would get really, really mad. But they didn't think anything of it besides that he had an out-of-control temper. When Jim had gone to a class reunion, somehow Roy's name came up and someone there recognized the name and said, hey, you know he murdered somebody, right? And Jim had no clue. He was just absolutely floored. Um, He told me that Roy and his wife never had kids. And as far as he knew, his wife had no clue of his past. I guess once he was released from prison, and from what I can tell, he began to work for the Cleveland Plain Dealer in advertising and some other higher-up positions, and eventually retiring from there. And you have to keep in mind, this is the same newspaper that covered his murder trial And his dad had a really high up job up there. So I'm sure that's how he ended up getting hired. But Jim didn't, (laughs) Jim was kind of stuck because he didn't know, do you tell the wife or not? I mean, how do you bring that up? Oh, by the way, your husband's a convicted murderer, brutal murderer. And you're talking like 20, like what, like what time period are you talking? Like when this 2010, okay. So 2011, yeah, so 30, 40, God, how many years is that? 40-some years later, right? Yeah. Like at, from the time mm-hmm. he got it. Well, no, more, way long, longer from the time that he did it. But, you know, like, do you, <laughs> nobody knew that whole time. And now all of a sudden, no. just your your whole life that you thought you knew would, you know, yeah. be turned upside down. All That's, thanks and to I don't you. know morally. All thanks to you, by the way. But go ahead, keep going. Yeah, on. thanks. <laughs> well, somebody else told him about it, so it okay, wasn't morally okay. me. Okay. But he didn't know what to do, and he finally decided that he was going to hold off until Roy passed away, and then let her know, mainly out of concern because he didn't know how Roy would react and how he would respond. So around this time, being twenty-four and stupid and making really questionable decisions. I found Roy on Facebook. I thought that he's never going <laughs> to accept my friend request, but he ended up accepting it pretty quickly. <laughs> so I was totally checking out his profile and looking at his highlighted <laughs> pictures of his life and his pictures of his beagles and, and just his house. Were you, were you, him. were you on the phone in the Gill house when you sent this friend request <laughs> on Facebook? <laughs> Just, just ask. Just ask him for a friend. Okay. So <laughs> my friend. <laughs> but that night, my husband he said, "You know, why not message him and just ask him if he remembers anything from Upper Sandusky?" Because I kept going back and forth. I really wanted to ask him. I really wanted to know if he would say anything. And he's like, "Just ask him if he remembers anything from Upper." So I typed out a message and sent it to him, and not really thinking. And he saw the message almost right away. And so I started panicking because I'm thinking he knows I know. And if he doesn't want anybody to know, here I am sending him a message on his freaking Facebook page. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) And he's going to drive to Upper and he's going to kill me. So I, (laughs) being the totally rational and calm person that I am, completely wigged out. Um, I deleted, I kept the Facebook account, but I stayed inactive on it and just started a separate account. And so about five years ago, I decided that it was still kind of in the back of my head that he was still on that friends list. So I wanted 
to unfriend him and just be done with it. I figured it's not worth it. He probably doesn't even watch it. And with seriously, within an hour, up pops another friend request from Roy. Oh gosh! So in a <laughs> so he's yeah. been wait so he's been waiting every day. Yes. To see, he's it. obviously been watching. <laughs> well, man. <laughs> so, did you accept the friend and, request? Yes, because I didn't know what to do. So in a panic, oh my god! Oh my goodness! And that is the number one right there. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't really get life lessons to prepare you with dealing with a convicted killer. <laughs> um, I got to be honest so, with you. Do you know who I who I'm blaming all of this on? Your husband. Your husband. I know. What? what I know. Like, did he not read the profile that you play the harp and that you do? Like, to, I mean, does he I not know. realize if he if he tells you, hey, ask him if you remember something about Upper. Ask him if he likes red <laughs> slippers. You know, I mean. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. It just it freaks me out because obviously he's watching my account, so I I still have that account. If you search my name, the other one will pop up, but I've not been active on it or anything. Like there's no nothing, but I've talked to like several newspapers and things about it. I've been quoted in local articles. A few years ago, I was contacted by 2020. They wanted to do a story on him, mm-hmm. but I told them I wouldn't do it because I would gladly give him the information, but I didn't want to be quoted or anything on the air because obviously he's watching me to some degree. Oh, there's no doubt. Every, 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 I mean, he probably listens to how mysteries he's probably got that on loop. You talking, (laughs) (laughs) he's probably cut out every, like I just am imagining he's in his disappointment room up there in Cleveland (laughs) He's cutting out every article and placing it on the wall and red shoe, red slippers, red slippers, Ashley, Ashley, like strawberry milkshake from the dairy snack. Mother. (laughs) So how, how, red room, red room. So um, how old would he be? Is he still alive? Is he Still alive or not? Last I heard, he's 84. He's still on the friends list. He still loves going on cruises. He's out, like I said, outside the suburbs. He's done some Facebook surveys and says he sadly has never had children. His favorite movie and book is A Time to Kill. I'm sure. So his favorite color (laughs) was red. And you can see all this on his His little Facebook quiz he did. uh, His favorite color is red. A time to kill anytime. Yes. You know, that's. Yeah. Well, I. It's just wild. Ashley, it's been really hard to keep this secret from you. But on the other line <laughs> is. Is Roy Schnee. No, I'm kidding. I, was, I couldn't even get the judge. We couldn't even get the judge on tonight. How could I get Roy? So. <laughs> so, so, Jason, did I not tell you that this was. Uh, like one of the dumbest things anybody's ever done. <laughs> this is this is insanely crazy. I cannot believe this. And I might and I might add, Ashley, that that story right there is also a good plot 
for a horror movie. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> so I think somewhere you have a you have there's a book inside you that my life is the plot <laughs> for a horror movie. Take your pick. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the the Ashley Payton drinking game. <laughs> It's, you take a drink and from, oh my gosh whoa this is the, hey the, this is fantastic actually i i can see why people line up to go on a ghost tour or a haunted tour with you as the uh as the guide because oh thank you you have yes. uh, you have absolutely entertained me and jay i'm sure jason yes, I'm very speak much for, so. i'm speaking for jason yeah very I, much so <laughs> I'm see. Uh, oh, I mean, you. this has been super entertaining. I hope everybody that out there is listening is uh, is has been as entertained as we are, and goes and checks out some of these sto- some of these stories. And uh, I strongly <laughs> urge. Do you remember the title of the Ohio Mysteries episode about the two about the guy in the woods? Um, oh, what was that? I forget I what. She... I it was the mafia murder. Maybe. Something like that. So, so everybody that uh, if you you want to hear another great story that Ashley comes in on and gives her uh, expertise on, uh, go to the Ohio Ohio Mysteries podcast. And I'm only going to promote the Ohio Mysteries podcast because they are great. They're good friends of ours, and we're doing an episode with them. Maybe the episode oh, after this yeah. one. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we're doing we're doing an episode with you, How Mysteries. Oh yeah, uh, uh, people over there, uh, Paula and uh, her nephew there, S- Steve, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Steve. Yeah. So uh, go check that out. That was a great episode, and that's a great story. And I didn't want I didn't want you to tell that story here. I know it's hard not to tell it. I know it's a great story. It's a great story. So go go check Ashley's story on Ohio Mysteries. The I think it might be the Mafia Murders, but uh, yeah, uh, that is a fantastic one. So, but uh, Ashley, I can't thank you enough. And when you are able to start doing the haunted tours again, please let us know. uh, Get it go on our uh, After the Shadows. page for our yeah go podcast. to our discussion forum yeah after yeah. the shadows and post it up there <laughs> yeah that put an announcement yes. oh, put thank an announcement you because that's where that's where all our listeners go to um, kind of talk and post stuff and and uh, interact so i think they would love to to know especially the ones in north central ohio when you're going to do that again and and uh we'll do come come check you out and maybe they'll heckle you about some of the crazy things like, <laughs> aren't we going to go to the Gill House? We're going to have a seance. In the um, hey, we'll, 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 not, to, not that I'm condoning that behavior out of our listeners, but I mean, now you know as well as I do, Shane, that we have some that would be glad to go to the Gill House and they would say hi. <laughs> well, whatever, blame it on the judge. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, so Ashley, hey, thank you for spending some time with us, and uh, I, I can't wait to um, show up myself and take one of those haunted tours. Yes, and I'm pretty too. I, I mean, I, I think it'd be great to get all the guy, all, all the the podcast crew and have you take us around and and, and do that. <laughs> hey, we'll do an episode about to. that. 
I think yeah. that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I I need to get one for you, Cyrus. I think that would be a lot of fun to head your guys' direction and find some good stories and kind of think, find some creep think, creep over there. I think so too. I think yeah, so too. That's and a I, great idea. I think I, I think I know a couple stories that I can that uh, um, that could be the start of it. So, <laughs> but we're not doing any seances <laughs> anywhere. No seances ever get a no Ouija. <laughs> and uh maybe old Roy Schlegel or whatever he could he could come he could come take a tour. Oh, <laughs> That'd be my luck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> so so Roy, if you're listening, Ashley is waiting for a response <laughs> to that question. <laughs> That's okay. And if any, I really <laughs> and, if it, and if anybody out there, I'm just going to throw it out there because now, now that we're on the Odyssey Radio Network, our audience is all, way all over the country. If anybody knows Roy, ask him why he had, he never responded to Ashley's uh, Facebook <laughs> Messenger question. You know, be interested to know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can get a picture of from the inside of his disappointment room, there's 25 extra <laughs> bonus points. So, <laughs> so Ashley, thanks for joining me and Jason tonight. And uh, thank you. I, yes, I, thank I, you, I, Ashley. Like I said, can't wait to hear some more stories from you in the future. So, well, so thank keep, you so much. Yes, keep up, keep up the good work, and keep being a cool chick. Because I, you know, we'll try. The, the whole combination <laughs> there is. Can't be beat. Oh but, yeah, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Have a good night. Yeah, you yeah, too. Bye bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, a final word. Please visit us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash from the shadows podcast, and on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash from the shadows podcast you can visit our webpage at from the shadows podcast dot godaddy sites dot com or contribute to our facebook discussion page called after the shadows and tweet us on our twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash podcast underscore from thank you for joining us and we look forward to hearing from you all until next time never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows we are out <laughs>
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.